BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. August 9, 2021, coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered, Texas Democratic lawmakers have filed a lawsuit against Governor Greg Abbott, saying his attempts to make them come back violate their First Amendment rights. We'll talk with one of the Texas House Democrats. Teachers groups are co-signing the need for children and teachers to be vaccinated 
and masked as students return to school in the fall. We'll talk with the head of the Florida Education Association. President Joe Biden's infrastructure bill is closer to passing after a late night Senate vote. We'll tell you when it will come up for a vote in the full Senate. Today marks the seventh anniversary of the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson. We'll look back at how he's been remembered, how things have changed. In New York, the beginning of the second trial of R. R. Kelly uh, has begun. He, of course, uh, has been hit with a litany of federal charges, including running a criminal enterprise. And debaters' comments started a whole conversation about destigmatizing HIV and AIDS. We'll discuss that. Plus, also, he's not deleting an apology that he gave to the LGBTQ community. Plus, in our Fit Live Win segment, we'll talk about the pros and cons of waist trainers. Are they a good idea? It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fat, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. As the number of COVID-19 cases continue to rise, members of the U.S. military will be required to get the vaccine beginning September 15th, a plan endorsed by President Joe Biden. This is Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. This is what he stated. I will not hesitate to act sooner or recommend a different course to the president if I feel the need to do so. To defend this nation, we need a healthy and ready force. Now, President Biden strongly supports his defense secretary's message in the COVID-19 vaccine, to the list of required vaccines, the list of vaccinations that service members must be able to get. Quote, I strongly support Secretary Austin's message to the force today on the Department of Defense's plan to add the COVID-19 vaccine to the list of required vaccinations for our service members, not later than mid-September. Secretary Austin and I share an unshakable commitment to making sure our troops have every tool they need to do their jobs as safely as possible. These vaccines will save lives, period. They are safe. They are effective. Over 350 million shots have been given in the United States alone. Being vaccinated will enable our service members to stay healthy, to better protect their families, and to ensure that our force is ready to operate anywhere in the world. Now, folks, Florida has reported 134,506 new COVID-19 cases over the last week. In just under two weeks, six unvaccinated uh, members of the same church contracted COVID-19 and died in Jacksonville, Florida. Currently, 15 to 20 members from the church are in the hospital. The church hosted a free vaccination clinic on Sunday for those who wanted to get vaccinated. But this thing goes even deeper than that, folks. Uh, what we're seeing is a number of companies, law firms and others now requiring their workers to be fully vaccinated. The NFL is taking a very strong stand uh, when it comes to this issue as well. Yet you still have players like uh, in Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins who said that he will not take it. And then he said he will protect himself as, as, as best possible, including plexiglass. 
it's a little hard for you to have plexiglass surrounding you if you're playing on the field. Uh, Lamar Jackson, who plays for the Baltimore Ravens, their star quarterback, he's tested positive for COVID, and he still says he's unsure if he's going to take the vaccine. You, you've tested positive twice. We are seeing, folks, uh, more and more of these cases. We're seeing uh, in um, uh, hospitals where children uh, are dying uh, as a result of getting uh, this Delta variant. It is causing significant issues all across uh, this country. And so we've been keeping up uh, with a lot of the folks who've been following this. More and more people also uh, are posting uh, all types of uh, videos, things, uh, things of that nature, uh, in order uh, for people to understand what's going on. Uh, we, we've had on the show before, uh, of course, uh, the brother out of Arizona. Uh, he uh, 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 goes by Cleavon MD. Uh, this is what he actually uh, posts on his uh, page, on his uh, Twitter page. He has an ongoing graphic. Guys, let me know if y'all can see it. Uh, for, all right, uh, we're going to figure out what's going on here. Uh, I want to pull that up because um, it, it really jumps, jumped out at me. Um, and so let me just get this straight here. I want to make, I want you to see this. Uh, what he does is he posts uh, ongoing messages, ongoing messages uh, on his social media account with regards to um, uh, COVID, what's happening uh, with uh, COVID. And if you, it goes by Clavon, uh, C-L-E-A-V-O-N uh, underscore M-D. And so... Uh, what he does is he, um, I got it, Anthony. I, um, I think this is going to be the fix right here. Um, let's see if this works. I got it. We're up. So uh, we're sh I want to show you this here. So th this is this, when he's going by, you go to the hashtag, souls lost to COVID, souls lost to COVID. Uh, and what he does is he posts a lot of these items. They are, they are, they are teachers, they are doctors. Uh, I saw a story the other day, a uh, post the other day, uh, of a gentleman who is an architect in Arkansas. Um, he felt he was healthy, 49 years old, did not want to take the vaccine, um, but he's now dead. And it's causing a lot of conversation in the community where he lives uh, because uh, people are now uh, talking about it and it's now gotten their attention. Uh, his wife actually gave a comment where she said that now people realize this is an issue uh, by saying that uh, now they realize it comes to their doorsteps. Uh, you know, this says a whole lot, folks, uh, as well. Uh, this was a, um, um, I'm going to show you in a second, uh, this video here, because one of the things that he's also been doing uh, is posting a, a number of items uh, from individuals, from folks, uh, from family members. But just so you understand, uh, what's going on here? That that was a doctor uh, in um, it was a doctor in uh, England who tested uh, positive for COVID. Why is that interesting? Because he posted on Facebook how he was happy that he got it. Okay, and he said, "I want to show people that this is not that big of a deal." Um, Okay, he posts these videos about how, yeah, I'm feeling bad, but you know what? I felt this way before um, when it comes to cope, when it comes to the flu. Well, a few days uh, after that, he was dead. 
Now, mind you, he posted videos on his Facebook page, Facebook page saying that he was glad that he got it because, and I, I'm going to try to find the video here uh, to show you, because it would have shown folks that, hey, this is really no big deal. He's dead. Dr. Julian Malvo, Dean College of Ethics Studies, California State University, L.A., Dr. Omakongo Dabinga, Professorial Lecturer, School of International Service, American University, uh, and also joining us, Mustafa Santiago Ali, uh, formerly with the EPA. Uh, I just, it, it's interesting here, Omakongo, and, and there are people out there, I've already heard them, oh, oh, y'all trying to scare people, and, you know, these tactics, and you got uh, one pastor, these crazy comments out here, oh, you know, COVID is from the devil and all this kind of stuff like that. Uh, I saw this brother on Instagram. He was like, I'm protected by God. And I said, well, if you get COVID, you'll go to a church. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I mean, but it's amazing to, to hear these people throw these things out. And I get it. I, I, I get people who have apprehensions. Totally get that. But what else do you need? What else do you need to understand what's going on here? Uh, it's, it's, it's really tragic. And I feel like, unfortunately, too many of these guys are going to need these near-death experiences or somebody close to their family passing from it. And I think that it's just really tragic. Look, my, my, my dad passed last, last August of 2020, and he got COVID, and, you know, he was in the recovery process for it. He was already dying of other uh, other things. So he was already starting to recover from it when, when he passed. But I'm like, wow, if, if we had a vaccine at that time, he may not even have been hospitalized, right? And so we see these situations and we see these Republican commentators who are dying talking about it. And so, Roland, to be quite honest, I'm really at a point now where I feel like, and I hate to say it, some of these guys... They're, they're just going to have to die off in order to influence other people. And it should not have to come to that. I heard somebody say over the weekend, you know, if, you know, you see those movies where Martians come down and the whole world unites to fight off the aliens. That wouldn't happen nowadays because of so much misinformation. Are they really Martians? Are they this? Are they that? Are, are, you know what I'm saying? It's just like we can't come together because people want to say, I can do what I want. And as a doctor said last week on your show, there's a difference between freedom and license. These guys are not only not taking the vaccine, they're out there bragging about it. And now they're dying off one by one, and it still may not be enough to convince people. And, and it's just really sad to see, Roland. It really is. And I don't care what your political, religious affiliation is. This should not be happening to anyone. So uh, UK lawyer Leslie Lawrenson, trained at Cambridge, this is what he posted on Facebook after he got COVID, and he died nine days later. But this is, he posted two videos. Watch this. A very high temperature. This makes some pain, some shivers, cold in my extremities. It feels exactly like a cold, maybe a little bit worse. Uh, when I stand up, I feel like I'm going to fall over. Um, I can't remember if I've ever had that. Never I've had a cold before. I hope I've got it. I hope it is COVID. Um, because I'd rather have the antibodies in my blood than take the jabs. Anyone who knows my opinion, anyone who has followed my comments on, um, on my Facebook page knows what I feel about the jab. So this is an update on 
the vlog that I made yesterday. Um, I've already posted on Facebook that last night was um, pretty dreadful. The symptoms that I had at half eleven had massively ramped up. I, I, I don't know how long. Probably about six hours I spent in a fetal position um, trying to block out the, the pain. It was, it was, every part of my body was racked with the pain. If these are things that we have to suffer, it's part of living. You have to trust your immune system. And if the alternative is that we live in fear, that we create a bogeyman out of something that hopefully I'm showing isn't anything to be afraid of for 99.9% of us, we've got to deal with that. We've got to make the government aware that that is how we feel. People get flu, people get colds, people endure it and then get on with their lives. That's the way it's always been. COVID-19, in my view, um, and from what I've experienced so far, is nothing different, nothing different. Then, but the dangers of potential dangers from taking the experimental jab, for me, are not worth that risk. I'd rather take my chances with... Yep, he took his chances, Julian. Yes, he did. And I, you know, I'm sorry that people don't believe science, but I'm not sorry for them. Quite frankly, I won't say anybody deserves to die because that's on God. But what I would say is this idiot deserved to die. I mean, he flaunted, not only did he flaunt his disrespect for science, but he basically attempted to influence others, talking about an experimental jab. We know this experimental jab works. We know that COVID prevent, I mean, the, the, uh, the immunization prevents death. So, you know, if you want to die, do it on your own. Don't basically mm -hmm. advertise this and attempt to influence others. Yep. We, we've got a group of folks here at Cal State LA who are talking about it's illegal to make them um, basically take a vaccination. The campus policy is as of August 23rd, when classes start, everybody needs to be vaccinated and or have a medical excuse as to why not. And there's those who are talking about their free speech rights and their right to uh, decline it. Well, but you don't have the right to expose me. You don't have the right to expose other people or children. And so that's that's really where we are. This is beyond, you know, they would say you put your fist out as far until it hits somebody else. And then you basically are in trouble. All these people are in trouble. And they seem to relish it, Roland. That's what makes it so bad. They seem to relish it. And only occasionally these wives, when their crazy husbands didn't take it and then died, did these wives say, oh, everybody should take it. You should have told your husband that one night. You know, you should have shut down, you know, and said, look, until you uh, get the vaccination, sleep in another room. I mean, we, uh, we have yeah. influence, but many of us aren't using it. So the Wall Street Journal um, posted uh, this particular article here uh, over the weekend. Uh, go to my computer, please. Uh, this is out of Arkansas. A neighbor's death from COVID-19 have an Arkansas town reassessing vaccine. The woman on the right there, y'all, she is a nurse. Uh, she is a nurse uh, in Greenwood, uh, Arkansas. I'm looking down here for uh, her name. 
and the story posted. A lot of people have been talking about this story since they posted it. Uh, you, know, you want to understand what's crazy. So how about this, this fool right here? This is Dr. Lee Johnson, a Republican. Um, Mustafa, he is an ER doctor. And you're going to look, and this is interesting right here. Uh, Dr. Johnson is an emergency room physician, a Republican member of, let me, let me go back to the, uh, a Republican member of the Arkansas House of Representatives and a Greenwood local, where he grew up with Mr. Lejean. These days, he dedicates much of his long ER shifts and his time outside the hospital to talking to patients and constituents about the vaccines and trying to assuage their fears about them. Now, this is what they write. People bring up fears about blood clots. He provides them with factual information about their rarity. Women ask if the vaccine can impact fertility. He tells them there's no evidence it can, and the obstetricians he knows have all vaccinated their daughters. He recommends people talk to other doctors. Quote, there are some people who just aren't afraid of COVID. I haven't figured out how to term that person, but I do know that making them feel defensive for their passionately held opinion isn't productive. Yet, here's what's interesting. Dr. Johnson has also been grappling with statewide decisions. As part of a special session of the Arkansas State Legislature last week to consider whether to rescind a statewide ban on mask mandates by local governments, Dr. Johnson, who voted for the ban when it seemed the virus was declining, was open to changing it, but skeptical of leaving the decision to individual school districts. Okay, I, 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 now I'm confused, Mustafa. Of all people, <laughs> an ER doctor, so he's skeptical of leaving the decision up to local school districts, but he's decided that the state will make a decision for you by saying absolutely no mask mandates. What the hell kind of doctor is that? I'm not sure. Somebody needs to take a look at his license, I guess, and, and do some evaluation there. You know, this is not so different than climate change, where the majority of scientists will tell you, you know, that the impacts of man-made and the different things that are going on. You even have a few doctors who are outside of the norm, who are not willing to stand up uh, and to state the truth, to state the science, uh, which we all know is very clear. This is tied to ideology. And, you know, we've got folks who are making scientific decisions, are making public health decisions based on politics uh, instead of actually following the science. And, you know, they're literally playing with their lives. Now, that's one thing. To play with other people's lives, to play Russian roulette with other people's lives and to possibly expose them is a whole other matter. And that's where we get into that conversation of have we allowed this to go on for far too long, of allowing individuals to expose sometimes tens, sometimes twenties and thirties of other individuals. And, you know, we know there's a precedence for sexually transmitted diseases and individuals not being able to do that without there being some legal ramifications for folks who intentionally expose folks. So we've got to get really serious about this because what has happened is we've allowed these variants to continue to find fertile ground and to grow and to become more virulent. And we now know that the Lambda uh, variant is now starting to take hold inside of our country. So we can either continue to play games and we can continue to allow folks um, to, to, you know, actually end up getting infected and then being hospitalized. Or we can get very serious and start to put some hard things from the federal level 
in place to actually protect those who, for whatever reason, haven't yet evolved into the basic understanding of what science is telling us. So in this same article, uh, this is what they wrote. Robert and Vi Herring, both in their 70s, were lifelong residents of the area, married 34 years with five children between them. They didn't like the idea of getting the vaccine, their children said. They became sick after attending a 52nd high school reunion and died within three days of each other at a Fort Smith hospital in late July. Now, Shonda Parrish is their daughter. She considered her father her hero. She's devastated, she said, clinging to waves of numbness between grief and anger. The deaths have caused a rift within the family whose children remain split on their views of the vaccine. Ms. Parrish, by the way, who is a nurse, says she still won't get it. She simply doesn't trust a newly created vaccine. She doesn't regret that her parents didn't get vaccinated, she said. It was their choice. Instead, she regrets that she was quarantining ahead of a cancer treatment when they fell ill and couldn't be involved in pushing to get them hospitalized sooner. Ms. Parrish's last interaction with her father was a voicemail from the hospital of him moaning and gasping for breath. It doesn't even sound human, she said. I don't like hearing it, but I can't delete it. One of y'all can go ahead and talk. Yeah, you know, when, when, when my dad um, got, got COVID in the hospital and they called me and started reading the last rites over the phone. Uh, and I, I didn't know what the guy was doing, the, the, the reverend guy. And this was at the height of it all. And I'm like, wow, what if those were like really the last moments, right? How many parent, families have had to go through that situation where they, the parent didn't come home or the child or the son or, or whoever, and they died alone in these rooms on these ventilators? And look, this argument that this is a new thing, people started working on this vaccine over two years ago as it related to SARS and other derivations that eventually would become this COVID. So this whole idea of it's, it's new, it's not, it's not true. And again, to say that you're, 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 you're mad at, you're, you're not mad that this is how they chose to go, this idea of, well, if they die, they die, this is not how it's supposed to be. And it is really ridiculous, especially when we see the numbers rising with children now. And they're not only rising with children, but they're rising with them more quickly. So hospitals, I heard just today, a hospital in Texas, it took three months to get to a certain level of COVID patients, and they got there in three weeks this time around. So if you're not going to wake up to it now, you're going to be attending a wake for a family member, and people got to get over this right now. The, the, the thing know, here, uh, uh, Julian, this was a quote from her from the daughter. Um, uh, she, since the hearings died, Ms. Parrish has felt judgment from friends and acquaintances asking why her parents weren't vaccinated, why she didn't make them get vaccinated. Quote, we didn't kill them, but some people feel, make us feel like it's our fault. They're gone. No one should try to make you feel guilty because someone died. Now, her brother is, feels different. He said apparently he tried unsuccessfully to push his parents to get vaccinated and is now trying to persuade his relatives. He was put off by friends and acquaintances pushing conspiracy theories about the vaccine even after his parents' death. I'm absolutely angry and frustrated. Their age and health conditions, they should have gotten vaccinated really early and then trying to talk to friends of theirs and hearing these ridiculous things about depopulation and computer chips. You know, first of all, this woman, Miss Parrish, she's a nurse. She should not be allowed into anybody's hospital. If she refuses to get vaccinated, she should be forced either to get vaccinated or to find another job. 
You cannot telework as a, as a nurse. So go do something else, you know? I mean, seriously, this, her brother is absolutely right. They didn't kill their parents, but they contributed to their death. This laissez-faire attitude of what will be will be, let's not worry about it. If I die, I die. If you want to die, you'll die. Not having a vaccine, as far as I'm concerned, is akin to committing suicide. You're saying that you wish to be dead, and you're prepared to uh, actively court death, especially if you're of a certain age. These people were in their 70s. From a picture of them rolling, they look like vital people. Um, they, did, they went to a high school reunion from 50 years ago. They didn't have to die. They chose to die by listening to all this gobbledygook that keeps coming from wherever. And I don't know who these people are, but I have to confess, I have a sibling who refuses to get the vaccination. And look, no matter what we say to him, you know, it's a white man's conspiracy. It's, uh, he doesn't trust it. Um, and whatever he has to say, it's, it's, it's absurd. And it has to be coaxed to, to wear a mask. I mean, we refuse up until a point to wear a mask until the nurse practitioner told him he couldn't come in the house to see his mother as she was dying unless he put a mask on. So I don't know where these folks come from, and I don't know what they're thinking, but I know that they're imperiling others and they're imperiling themselves. Well, I'll tell and you... Basically... Well, well, I, I, I well I'll, I'll tell you, Mustafa, um, I'll tell you point blank. Um, uh, Saturday, um, I was... Was it Saturday? Yeah, it was Saturday. We were... Um, I was at the uh, Congress of Jim Clyburn Golf Tournament in Santee, uh, South Carolina, uh, and there was a brother who wanted uh, a selfie. And, I, and he was walking around no mask. I was like, you not, I said, you vaccinated? He's like, oh, oh, let me go get the mask. So he went and got his mask. Uh, then he came back, and he was like, well, you know, I'm looking at this variant, but I was waiting to see if another variant comes out. And I literally stood there, and we had a very long conversation, uh, me explaining to him the virus and how these things work and how variants go on and how we've had black doctors. Uh, after about 15 minutes, homeboy said, um, I got to stop messing around. You convinced me to go get this vaccine. Uh, there was a sister who posted a tweet uh, a little bit earlier, uh, and she said that because of our coverage, uh, and she tweeted to me and uh, Dr. Ebony Hilton, uh, she said, because of our coverage, because of what we have been putting out, this sister said uh, she... Uh, is uh, going to get vaccinated. This is why we have to keep putting out real information, Mustafa. We're going to talk about, about this a little bit later in the show. Same thing when it comes to climate change. We cannot allow these crazy people to continue to drive the conversation. Yeah, uh, she goes by um, 11 Orchid um, on, on Twitter. Um, she said, you two have convinced me to get the vaccine, getting my first dose tomorrow morning. I, we have no choice. We are trying to save lives. We simply cannot let these crazy, deranged people lead the conversation, Mustafa. Without a doubt. I'm glad you were able to reach all those individuals that you are. That's why influencers are so incredibly important. Sometimes the influencers Knowledgeable are... influencers. Well, this is true. Right. This is true. Without a doubt. I mean, we remember the AIDS epidemic where we had folks who finally started to come out and speak out against it. Um, and to tell folks, you know, to educate themselves to become safer and to have better practices and all these different types of things. We got to have those educated influencers in this moment also continually to share. And those are folks in our local communities, all the way up to people that we watch on TV, 
And just like this show is so incredibly important in pushing and making sure that folks have the information that's so critically important. But we should just also call this out, that we have become very cavalier about death in this country. Mm. Uh, and individuals feed off of that and they utilize that. So we got to do everything that we can in our power to make sure that our people are, are, are educated, they have all the information they need, and we have to continually push them because we love them. So that's a part of our responsibility is to try and reach each and every one of them to make sure that they get protected. Folks, uh, schools are, are going to be preparing to open back up again in the next few weeks, and teachers are asking for a vaccine mandate. In fact, many states, students have already returned to the classroom. Uh, with the increase in COVID-19 numbers and variants spreading, the American Federation of Teachers requests a vaccine mandate. Uh, you, now you have some places, though, like, for instance, uh, in Texas, where you have some school districts who are defying an executive order of Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who said absolutely no mandate. The Dallas Independent School District has already said they are going to have a mass mandate. They don't care what the governor says. You're seeing more and more of that. We're seeing the same problems in Florida, where the governor is literally threatening to pull funding from school districts that require a mask mandate. Andrew Spar is president of the Florida Education Association. Andrew, glad to have you here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. This is, here's what just trips me out, Andrew. All these Republicans love to talk about big government, big brother, nanny state, local control, personal choice, but they're not allowing superintendents, school boards, and mayors of cities and county leaders to make their own choices for their people. They're saying, no, we're going to decide this for the entire state. The hell with what y'all think. Yeah, so Roland, first, thanks for having me. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. And absolutely, I mean, you know, at the end of the day uh, in Florida, we have school boards, and school boards are elected by parents in the community. They are closest to the parents in the community, and they should be able to take the advice of the medical professionals, they should be able to look at the data in their community, and they should be able to listen to parents and school employees and make the best decision to keep kids safe. You know, what, what, what it was just being talked about. We are seeing an increase in kids who are being impacted by COVID. Our pediatric wards and children's hospitals here in Florida are reporting that they are near or at capacity with the number of children who are being impacted by COVID. We've had three children under the age of 16 die from COVID in the last week and a half here in Florida. So as we go back to school, most of the state tomorrow, we are absolutely concerned. Are we going to be able to do everything within our power to keep our kids and the people who work in our schools safe. And we've got a governor who's playing politics, quite honestly. He's, he's playing the politics of division, trying to uh, keep our local school boards from doing what they want, threatening not just funding for our schools. Today, his office came out and said he was going to withhold salaries from school boards or superintendents who go against him. Wow. Because we have two courageous school boards who are going to do that here in the state of Florida. Yeah, this, this is not Florida, but this is the idiot governor of South Carolina, where I've been twice in the past month. This is the kind of nonsense, and, and I'm, I don't want this to be a partisan issue. But the reality is, stuck on stupid is really defined on the Republican side of the aisle when it comes to this issue. Here is South Carolina Governor, governor Henry McMaster. For the government to mask children to have no who have no choice 
to protect adults who do have a choice is the wrong thing to do, and we're not going to do it. We're not going to shut our state down as other states did. Mandating masks is not the answer. Personal responsibility is the answer. Common sense is the answer. And we have an abundance of both in South Carolina. For the Actually, you have none in the governor's mansion. This is a perfect example, Andrew. I was there this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm sitting in a restaurant Friday. Sister comes up. She's the waitress. And first of all, I walk in. They got this salad bar open, so already we got a problem. Okay? I'm seeing people serving salad. No mask. People who are patrons. I'm seeing a brother who's refilling the salad area. His mask is on his chin. He's talking. He's just talking to folks, whatever, and just talking away. And I'm sitting there going, no way in hell we going to order salad. So we sit down. The waitress, she has no mask. I said, sister, where, where's your mask? Oh, I, I forgot it. You know, uh, you know, they don't really require it here. And I said, uh, she's like, I said, are you vaccinated? She said, oh, I'm vaccinated. She said, well, no, I've had my first shot. I said, well, boo, you ain't vaccinated. I said, having one shot don't mean you're fully vaccinated. It's like, oh, no, I know, I know. I mean, you're right. My mama's a nurse. I'm like, your mama's a nurse? I said, and luckily, the Congress of Clyburns, uh, they, had, they gave us five masks that were in our uh, golf uh, gift bag. I said, I'll be right back. Went out, got a mask. I said, put this on. And it was a trip because at multiple some different times she had a below nose, but she would, she would see me and look it up. She would hurry up and put it back on. And she's like, okay, I remember, I remember. And I say, baby, I'm trying to keep you safe. But again, this is part of the problem. When you have this governor and DeSantis saying stuff like, okay, uh, personal choice. This governor says kids wearing masks to protect parents. No, it's to protect the kids too. Absolutely. So first of all, let me just say, you know, this is a public health emergency. I think you know that, Roland. I think all your listeners know that it's a public health emergency, which requires a public response, right? And, and we have a governor who not only is he saying no mask mandates and threatening school boards, he's actually holding back billions of dollars from federal stimulus money that was sent down both under the Trump administration and the Biden administration that could be used in school districts for cleaning and sanitizing, for making sure we have have air purifiers in the classroom for additional PPE, for making sure we're doing COVID testing and, uh, and tracking and isolation and, and such to make sure we keep COVID from spreading. This, this COVID strand, the Delta variant, is spreading like wildfire here in Florida. And we are literally sending kids back to school tomorrow. And I suspect, as a lot of others have said, that within the next week, we're going to have breakouts all over, uh, outbreaks all over the state of Florida uh, in our schools. And so what do we do then? And so this governor is not preparing us for that. And we need leadership in a time uh, of a public health emergency. We need to bring people together and not have this politics of division that exists that we just heard uh, from the governor in South Carolina and that we've been seeing from the governor here in Florida. And at the end of the day, it should be what are we doing to keep kids safe and make sure that uh, the learning continues. I'll also point out that the governor's order here in Florida only applies to public schools, not charter schools, not voucher schools, not private schools, only to public schools. So why is that? Like, what is the reason to truly undermine our public schools at a time of this public health emergency? Um, how about this one? So is this happening in Florida? I'm very curious. In Texas, the Texas Education Agency notified parents that 
they would that if a child tests positive, parents would not be notified if it happens in, in, in that particular school. Well, the Austin Independent School District said, the hell with that. Parents will be informed of positive COVID-19 cases during the school year, despite the new guidance from issue Thursday by the Texas Education Agency. What is DeSantis saying in Florida? It's the same thing. Actually, last year, throughout the entire school year, we were back in person, and school districts took it upon themselves to report what was going on, but the governor refused to report what was going on in our schools. I'll also point out, Florida is only doing weekly updates on the COVID numbers in the state of Florida. If you want accurate numbers as to what's happening in the state of Florida, you have to go to the CDC, because Florida is not being transparent with what's going on in COVID right now. They're hiding the number of cases that are happening with our kids and in our communities. And that's quite honestly scary. If you want trust, then you've got to make sure you're being transparent. Look, Roland, the, the bottom line here is we need to encourage vaccination of everyone. And we've been working with school districts to do that. But we have to remember that those under 12 cannot get vaccinated. So we have to do whatever we can to make sure we have a safe environment for our children. It's actually required in the Florida Constitution here that, that kids go to school in a self safe and healthy environment. And we need to make sure that's happening. We want every child, regardless of race, background, or zip code, to get the education they deserve in the safest possible way. And our governor isn't allowing it because he's actually interfering with our ability to do that at the local level. And, and, it's, and a, it's an outrage. And, and, and here is um, uh, an example. First of all, I, this was a great tweet uh, that came from Akila Hughes. She says, schools can't enforce masks, but they sure did enforce not letting us wear shorts or spaghetti straps. Uh, there are, uh, so there are a lot of people who have been talking about uh, these school dress codes uh, that folks uh, actually had uh, to deal with. But here's a perfect example. We talked about what's happening in schools. This was sent out by Mike Collier in Texas. There's a crisis unfolding in our public schools in Garland ISD, folks, that's in Texas, uh, right outside of Dallas. 31 staff and 224 students have already tested positive for COVID-19. To your point, Andrew, if you go by what DeSantis is doing, no one will know this. You will not know how many staffers tested positive. And clearly, if they don't even want to reveal the information, that means you're not going to have contact tracing. You literally might be sitting next to a student or working next to a staffer or next to a teacher or an administrator who has COVID, and then you will have no way of even knowing. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, what we're, what we're talking about even here in Florida right now is that we had one school in Polk County, just uh, outside of between Orlando and Tampa. And, and in Polk County, they had to shut down a school before it even started because they have so many faculty and staff who have tested positive for COVID. So when school starts tomorrow, it will be concerning, I think, because of the fact that we aren't able to put those measures in place. Our governor actually said this, Roland. He, he said that if you isolate and quarantine students because they've been impacted by COVID, which the health department requires, by the way, or if you put a mask mandate in place, they're calling that bullying. And they're saying we're going to that's going to be considered bullying. And now they can get a voucher to go to a private school. Um, and, and trust me, that's going to be from people who look more like me than you. And, and that is a great concern. This this is truly an undermining of our public school and the public health and the public trust. And this shouldn't be about politics. Democrats and Republicans and everyone should be coming together, as we have seen in other places, to make sure that safety is number one, that the learning continues, 
and that we're taking reasonable precautions. These are reasonable precautions and protocols to put into place to make sure that everyone is safe. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we're seeing uh, craziness. Uh, and, and, and you want to see crazy. This is, again, I, I hate to say it, but two of the most nutty states in the country are Texas and Florida. My, I'm a native of Texas. Uh, this is this idiot Congressman Dan Crenshaw. Frankly, I think we should be thanking the Obamas for ensuring that Americans will absolutely not comply with more lockdowns. He's talking about the 60th birthday party president, former President Obama uh, had this weekend. This is what he said. Lockdowns don't work. The costs are too high. And the people who force them upon us know this, too. Do not comply. You literally have uh, Republicans, Andrew, who are saying don't comply with mask mandates. Fight them. Ignore them. Don't comply with lockdowns. Uh, don't, I mean, th th this is the sort of the stuff that they're saying. And then, unfortunately, they're also being aided uh, by these uh, right-wing uh, preachers. Uh, here is a, one of the craziest ones. Listen to this. I understand and let me speak now to the cameras around the world, to every pastor that's watching this broadcast, to every Christian that has cowered in your home. I realize that for this last year that maybe you've been fed fear and fear and fear, but the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You have a sound mind. You don't have to wear the mask. You got Jesus. You don't need the vaccine. You got Jesus. Listen to me. I guess, I, I guess uh, this particular pastor uh, here, let me, let me find this fool's name. Uh, Joshua Feuerstein, I guess he didn't, he didn't hear by Bishop Harry Jackson, uh, who uh, preached in the Oval Office uh, on Easter Sunday last year. Uh, Harry went to the Amy Coney Barrett uh, Super Spread event at the White House. Uh, later that year, I think that was October, Harry died the next month, COVID. He was a bishop. He had Jesus. He did. Well, and look, if you, if you look in the Bible, if you look in the Torah or the Quran, or you're a spiritual person and you look at some of the spiritual writings, it always talks about taking care of thy neighbor, taking care of thy family. So wearing a mask is about taking care of others and caring for others. Uh, I think that's really rooted in the religious beliefs. And I believe it's rooted in our spirituality. And I believe it's rooted in, the, in our country, that we take care of others. That's what we're supposed to do. And so when you talk about uh, not wearing masks as a personal freedom, personal freedom doesn't mean you get to infringe on others' freedoms. And so we've got to take care of the least fortunate. And when you think about the fact that kids under the age of 12 cannot get vaccinated right now, that should be a driving factor for all of us. And, and look, in Florida, I'll say this, Roland, uh, we know that those over 65 in Florida, about 85% have been vaccinated. They have the lowest spread rate right now in Florida. And those under 12 can't get vaccinated. They have the highest community spread rate uh, in Florida. So clearly, we know the vaccine helps in slowing the spread of the virus. And it certainly helps in keeping people out of the hospital and alive. That's what the medical experts tell us. I'm not a medical expert. I'm a teacher. I'm a music teacher. My wife's a music teacher. Our two girls go to school. Our, our youngest is a seventh grader. Our oldest, we're taking her this week to Howard University, where she's going to be a freshman. And even at Howard University, they're requiring uh, vaccination and they're requiring masks. And so it's about keeping everyone safe. This is a public health emergency. It requires a public community response. 
Absolutely. Uh, Andrew, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, good luck there in Florida dealing with uh, a governor who is desperate to please the right wing because he wants to run for president in 2024. He is not listening to the health officials. Uh, Y'all certainly stay safe in the Sunshine State. Thanks, Roland. Appreciate it. Julian, this is the battle that we're in. We're, we're literally in this battle, Julian. This battle of, I mean, these folks are saying, damn, damn the children. They are ignoring uh, all this data we keep seeing. They're ignoring uh, the ICU cases. They're ignoring all of these things because uh, they now want to make this thing out to be, oh, that's a, um, um, uh, that's a, a, a personal thing. See, uh, now you want to see stupid, boom. This literally just dropped five seconds ago from the Texas Tribune, breaking. G Texas Governor Greg Abbott is asking hospitals to delay certain elective procedures mm. so space can be freed wow. for COVID-19 patients. He still won't let local governments and schools require masks or vaccines. What an asshole. That's a nice way of putting it, Roland. I mean, that man is a certified public idiot. Um, and many people had to wait until, um, you know, April, May, June of this year uh, to get elective surgery. And now he's asking them to put it off again because his intellectually um, deficient behind can't figure out that masks are important, that vaccinations are important. He, you know, he's playing Russian roulette with people's lives and he's doing it for political gain. And somebody in the, in the Republican Party, because we can say all we want is Democrats. They're not going to pay us any mind. Where are the Republicans with sense? That's what I want to know. Where are the Republicans who will call this governor out and say, look? And that clip you showed earlier, I mean, I, I, I'm glad that I was not on camera. I hope I wasn't, because I was about to roll on the floor. That stupid pastor who said, we got Jesus. Uh, no, you don't. You don't have a speck of Jesus in you. Because if you had Jesus, you would look at the Bible that says things like, you know, love your, you know, love your fellow man. If you loved your fellow man, you'd have a vaccination, you'd put your darn mask on. I mean, he doesn't have Jesus. What he has is a microphone, and that's all. Uh, I, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't. I don't get just just this this notion that these things are not happening on the Congo. I mean, he he don't do elective procedures to free the beds up. And you're telling districts no mask mandates. You're you're threatening school districts as well. You tell TEA don't inform parents of positive COVID tests. What what the, that that is demonic. That's demonic evil leadership. He's killing people, plain plain and simple. And you know, you talk about that pastor talking about Jesus and God. Jesus and God, you know, gave us the science that <laughs> created the vaccine and, and the mask and all of these other types of things. So where do you draw the line? Look, going back to these schools and what Mr. Spar was talking about, look, the other part that he didn't talk about, and I know he knows about it, but just didn't mention it this time around, was that also the stay-at-home option is no longer there. So if parents are opting to stay home, they are on their own. They are not going to get the Zoom from the teachers as they did last time. So that's also not an option for parents in these public schools. And so DeSantis is going to take that money from the schools and give it to parents to send their kids to a private school where they have mask mandates because, as Mr. Spar said, there's no policy for the public, I mean, for the private and charter schools. This is idiotic, and I really feel for the parents who don't have the resources. And I'm with the, the other town or city 
that you mentioned earlier that said, hey, screw the governors, we are going to do these mask mandates. The parents, the people have to stand up to protect their children. My son is going into the first grade in a K-8 to school. The staff is all vaccinated, but by science alone, the majority of the people in that school with kids are not going to be vaccinated. We got the mask mandates. All of the precautions are being met. And we also know that our public schools don't, because they're, they're not getting the financial resources, they are not being able to retrofit. They're not being able to do all of the things with the ventilation and all of that. So we're sending them into death traps, and they're going to be going home to their communities and spreading this at an even faster rate. Governors got to go, and the people need to stand up across the country to save our children and everybody that they might infect as well. Uh, Mustafa, last point here. Uh, go to my uh, computer, please. Uh, this was from Associated Press. Breaking Arkansas reports the largest number of COVID-19 hospitalizations in the state since the pandemic began. Since the pandemic began. The state reported its COVID-19 hospitalizations rose by 103, its biggest one-day increase to 1,376. So here's what we can do. And for some reason, folks haven't done it yet. You know, I have expertise in climate law, but I know a little bit about criminal law as well. So there is child endangerment, there is public endangerment, and there is reckless endangerment. So these individuals who are making these decisions, there are ramifications for those. And folks need to begin to call them to, to the mat, as folks would say, and actually take these folks to court. If you want them to stop this type of behavior, then we've got to utilize the courts. We have tried everything else. We've, we've actually asked people's better angels to do the right thing. We've supplied the science. You know, we've given examples of how we can actually slow the virus and eventually stop the virus. None of these things are motivating these folks. So it's time to take them to court. Yep. Folks, um, got to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the craziness that's happening out of Texas, where the out-of-control demonic governor still wants to um, arrest House Democrats for not showing up, bringing the quorum. And we'll discuss that next right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. When you study the music, yeah. you get black history by default. And so no, no other craft could carry as many words as rap music. I try to intertwine that and make that create the, whatever I'm supposed to send out to the universe. A rapper, it, you know, for the longest period of time has gone through phases. I love the word. I hate I hate what it's become, you know, and, and to this generation, the way they visualize it. Its narrative kind of like has gotten away and spun away from, I guess, the ascension of black people. Republicans, I know you won't listen to Hollywood people or New York people or God forbid those libtards. So here's a video featuring exclusively your heroes. I want you to listen to your own leaders in their own voices. You can't call this fake news. These are your pals. Unedited. Roll tape. Would you recommend to our audience that they get the vaccine then? I would. I would recommend it and I would recommend it to a lot of people that don't want to get it, and a lot of those people voted for me, frankly. Get vaccinated. We are all pro-vaccine. I would encourage people to get the vaccine. I have high confidence in it. I got it myself. If enough people take the vaccine, he says we could get back to normal. Each one of these Republican leaders took the vaccine, and they made damn sure their children took the vaccine. But then they worked behind the scenes to create a marketing plan 
And that's what it was. Targeted at low-information Republican voters that tied your personal freedom to not wearing a mask or taking the vaccine. I love the poorly educated. And tens of millions of you in red states fell for this ridiculous lie. The federal administration is trying to do is shove it down your throat. What are they shoving, the science? Even when confronted with your fellow Republican leaders telling you on television that they were wrong. I'd already uh, uh, eliminated our statewide mask mandate. And yes, in hindsight, I wish uh, that had not become law. Many of you still refuse to do what is best for you. Any questions? Your families, your community, and your country. Everybody, don't listen to no foolishness. Go get vaccinated. You can't enter the Fox News building without providing your vaccination information. But on show after show, they tell you not to wear a mask because it's an assault on your freedom. They are laughing at how gullible you are. And here's the kicker. While they're laughing at you, you are sending them donations. You are literally paying your Republican leaders to deceive you. Think about that. Black women have always been essential. Mm -hmm. So now mm -hmm. how are you going to pay us like that? And it's not just the, the salary. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a whole number of issues that have to support us as women. Yeah. But that's what we deserve. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have to beg anybody for that. I think that we are trying to do our best as a generation to honor the fact that we didn't come here alone and we didn't come here by accident. I always say every generation has to define for itself yeah. what it means to move the needle forward. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm Taj. I'm Coco. And I'm Lily. And we're SWV. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Texas Democratic lawmakers who fled Texas to stop Republicans from passing a voting bill can begin to return home this week after a state district judge issued an order prohibiting their arrest. The 22 Texas Democrats sued some of the state's top Republican leaders in federal court, alleging the GOP efforts to bring them home for a special legislative session infringes on their constitutional rights to free speech and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Texas Republican State Representative Matt Krause was caught on video admitting the new voting election bill is a partisan power grab. I just want to make sure the Texas stays red and it's just a matter of time. So it's just delayed tactics right now, but we'll get it done. Yeah, yeah Texas comes over now. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And really, for me, it had nothing to do with necessarily getting or whatever, what happened at the presidential level. It has to deal with Harris County, our largest county, or Princeton. They made all these changes to the election code during COVID, which just invites fraud, invites cheating. So that's what we're going to focus on is all these people who are just trying to do whatever they want to to the election code, which allows for things like Georgia and other places to happen. We can cover up all the line. Yeah, and he's one of the audit. Oh, yeah, I know. I've heard of friends about it. We're friends with all the judges.
To Representative Jarvis Johnson. He joins us right now. Jarvis, glad to have you back on Roland Martin Unfiltered. So, uh, are you still here in D.C. or are you back in Texas? No, I'm still in D.C. So, let's talk about this, this, this judge's order. Now, again, they can easily go to court, turn that, uh, overturn that, uh, and then begin to arrest folks. Uh, are, are, you, are you trusting that uh, decision? Uh, or And I saw another story where some other de Democrats said, hey, look, we're going to have to come back, and we're just going to have to fight this as best as we can. So what's going to happen? No, I mean, I trust the TRO. I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. We made a commitment to stay in D.C. until the, the Senate adjourned uh, and went on recess, so our work is still continuing. So at the end of the day, uh, those that decided to go back, you know, went back uh, for various reasons, and, and I choose not to, to get into the, you know, to the, the details about that, but I will say that at the end of the day, we watched all day long where the Republicans never, ever sat down and talked, negotiated, uh, or communicated with us in any way. And so there's nothing to fight back at the House until uh, we're able to get this TRO and be able to have our own say uh, on the House floor. Uh, and and so on, on that particular point there, um, so, so how many Democrats... First of all, how many Democrats are required to be a way to ensure there's no quorum? 51. 51. Um, and is that number still away? Are you in, are you, are you in danger of uh, them having a quorum? No. Uh, Republicans are doing what Republicans do, lie. They're out here saying, oh, we're going to get quorum, we're going to get quorum, we're going to get the Democrats back. They're playing poker. They got their poker face on. Uh, you said it before in your, in, your, in your previous segment, how Republicans are just, they're, they're diabolical. They don't, you know, they're just doing what they do. They lie uh, and just to get what they want. And so at the end of the day, we're still holding strong. There have been some that have walked back on the floor uh, to, to, to ask for strict enforcement, to make sure uh, that, that we hold Republicans accountable. Uh, I understand that that there are at least nine Republicans on that House floor that have COVID. We do know of one that is back. He just, he hadn't been back, he hadn't been out nine days, and he's already back on the House floor. So it's that kind of stuff that they're doing to try to uh, push this, this uh, unnecessary, tyrannical uh, uh, legislation through, because we already know this legislation is not even necessary, uh, simply because there's no evidence of voter fraud. Uh, and you just played the clip in which they just simply said, this is a power grab to make sure that Texas stays red uh, and they can continue to have their power. 
So, um, but you guys are also uh, filing suit against uh, them, saying that trying to arrest you and infringes on your First Amendment rights. You know, it ain't no fun when the rabbit got a gun. <laughs> so at the end of the day, they've been out here hunting us, and now all of a sudden we got a gun, and we can fight back. And now they're going, oh, the Democrats are, you know, they're 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 derricking their duties, and they're not doing this, and they're not doing that. And I'm just, <clears throat> I'm. I'm amazed by, by, by their privilege. I'm amazed by the, the lack of, of shame or, and it's just, it's amazing to me, the fact that we're out here literally being sheep and they're wolves and they're upset with us because we won't let them eat us. They're upset because we won't sit back and watch, watch as they just about, you know, just demolish us. So, you know, as my grandmother used to always say, I ain't fat and no frog for no snake. And so I'm not going to go back to the House floor and let them do what they want to do, uh, treat me how they want to treat me, and pass legislation that's not even necessary. Uh, so at the end of the day, the fight continues. We're going to continue to fight, uh, and we're going to fight till the bitter end. So at the end of the day, those that talk about the 13th check, you know, COLA, um, CPS, and all those things, we're willing to go back to the floor. We'll talk to the governor. We'll talk to the speaker and say, we will go back and we will legislate those things that are important to all Texans not some, you know, tyrannical legislation that you're pushing forward because of the big lie that Donald Trump has been telling, uh, and now you guys want to uh, use that lie to stay in power. No. So we're going we're gonna to continue to fight, uh, and we got a gun now, and they're upset, and so they're going to cry like they always do. They get to make fun of us, you know, when, when, when a few of my brothers and sisters up here got, got COVID, you know, they just drug us on, on social media. They drug us in the, in the you know, in the media. But, you know, we didn't do the same to them. You know, we, we have decorum, we, got, we have morals, and so it's not, it's not even necessary. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're going to continue to stay our course so that we can kill this hateful legislation, uh, so that we can make sure that all Texans have access to the ballot box uh, without being intimidated or bullied. All right. Representative Jarvis Johnson, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, brother. Take care. Keep up uh, the work. Yes, sir. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, to uh, to the panel here, um, they, of course, Democrats will do their best to hold back. But you also have what's going on with the uh, infrastructure bill. Uh, you have um, uh, the Senate likely to vote on this tomorrow. Uh, but what's up with the voting bill? Over the weekend, they broke the filibuster uh, for that. 67 votes of Republicans. They want to get a piece of that money as well. Uh, look, m money talks, and so that's what you have going on here. But again, what's, what's still jumping out to me is, um, are they going to go on recess uh, when it comes to that uh, uh, before they vote on the voting bill? That's the issue, Julian, that people are demanding. And so the question is, will Senator Chuck Schumer force Manchin and Cinema to end the filibuster with that? Nothing I see says it's going to happen. I agree with you, Roland. I don't think it's going to happen either. I mean, it should happen. But Manchin and Cinema have been just consistently obstructionist when it comes to justice. Uh, they are di dinos, Democrats in name only. Uh, sure, they want to slice that infrastructure money, but I don't think we're going to get a vote before they go on recess, unfortunately. I think that uh, the filibuster has to be gone. It's the, the only way you can put it. The filibuster has to be eliminated. And I think that too many Democrats have shilly-shallied around it, uh, asking, well, gee, what happens when we're the minority? Well, what happens when you're in the minority is what always happens when you're in the minority. You tend to lose. Um, so I, I, I just find this uh, pro-infrastructure, 
anti-voting rights, and there are no rights without voting rights. I mean, infrastructure can come and go. We need the right to vote. We need to be protected. And I don't see that happening uh, in this session. Omakongo. Yeah, I've heard low-key uh, talk about, you know, Schumer saying that he's going to make sure that that vote happens before the recess, but I'm not optimistic either. And really, quite honestly, at the end of the day, if that does not happen, we need to make sure that every single day we go Reverend Barber on them and make sure that they are hearing us and seeing us, whether it's in the streets, whether it's flooding the phone, social media, whatever it is. Look, again, without voting rights, there is nothing else. And we can go back and forth about everything, but look, this is what we sent them to do. We sent them there to protect these rights. And quite honestly, if they're not going to do that, they don't have a right to be in office. And to me, it's like you just had that segment where you're talking to Rep Representative Johnson about how these Republicans want the ultimate power grab. This is what Republicans are doing right now with their delay tactics and their stall tactics getting closer to 2022. We got Manchin and Cinema, as Dr. Malvo was saying, acting as Democrats in name only. They have to have the issue forced down them with no remorse whatsoever. Because if Democrats go down and make this mistake, we can kiss 22 goodbye, which means that we're probably going to have to kiss 2024 goodbye. Look, people are looking right now to see if Donald Trump was the anomaly as president or if in this current climate, Biden is the anomaly right now. And if everything that the Republicans are doing across the country to steal these elections, if it was already in place in the last election, Trump would still be in charge right now. And so if they don't get on their ball right now and do this on a national level and get this legislation passed, we can kiss it goodbye. And we can't let that happen. Mustafa? You've got to make whatever modifications uh, to the filibuster that's necessary to, to make sure that we can pass, you know, the For the People Act. Because the For the People Act is actually tied to the resources. So if you don't have the right to vote, folks need to understand that when this money leaves the feds, and starts to make it to the states and the counties and the local level, if you're not able to actually vote and be able to get the right people in, it's not going to make it in significant ways to our community. So all of this is interconnected. And that's why we have to continue to push, both on the filibuster and the For the People Act. Um, let's talk about uh, another issue. We talk about pushing. I think it's also tied to, um, uh, tied to of course, we'll be talking about with COVID. Uh, and, and that is... Uh, the, the U.N. dropped a report today that um, de dealing with climate change that was uh, startling. Basically, what they said is that uh, folks have been sitting on their ass for so long uh, that uh, we pretty much uh, guaranteed uh, that uh, we're going to have a warmer um, uh, climate. Uh, and this is what they said, irreversible changes, warmer temperatures sooner. Five alarming findings from the U.N. climate change report uh, it, it dropped today paints a dire picture of where we are, and it really speaks to uh, a lack of uh, leadership, if you will. Uh, Mustafa, uh, let's talk about this here. Uh, and, and folks, again, just like COVID, just like so many other things, been sounding the alarm, and it's largely folks on the right, oh, it's a hoax, it's a hoax, this stuff is false, it's false. And now these scientists are saying we've reached the point of no return. Y'all screwed this up. You didn't do what you're supposed to do over the last 20 years. So guess what? We are here now. Yeah, the inter Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, is made up of the world's top scientists on climate. And the report that came out was talking about the impacts that are going on, the ones that are happening in this moment in the climate crisis and also what is coming in the not-so-distant future. 
You know, there's a, a number of just mind-blowing things that are currently going on that sometimes people just don't see because you're dealing with so many other types of things. You know, our temperature right now, our global temperature, we haven't seen these levels in 100,000 years. And the amount of CO2 that we currently have in our atmosphere hasn't been seen in over 2 million years. And those are elements that are playing out in the warming up of the planet, of the oceans, and you see these extreme weather events that are going on. When you see places with temperatures of 118 degrees and you see these biblical floods and these, uh, these wildfires that are just devastating millions of acres, all of that is driven by the decisions that humans have made and the actions that we have with our addiction to fossil fuels. So the IPCC is saying you got five options and it's going to play out. Either we can be all in, we can make sure that we're making the investments that we get the policies in place, and then we can limit many of these impacts that are happening, or we can put our heads in the sand and there will be devastating effects that will happen not only to the environment, but also to our economy. And we know that black and brown and indigenous folks are the ones who are going to be hit first and worst. We see it play out every time that there's a hurricane, every time there's one of these major floods and a number of other things. So the IPCC is once again saying what frontline communities have been saying for decades now, that everything is accelerating, but we got to get moving right this moment. And that's why the Biden administration has got to be tougher. They've got to make sure that they're expanding and that they're being bold on the actions that are necessary. Um, this the f five takeaways uh, on Macongo. Uh, let's go to my computer. We may reach 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming much sooner than previously expected. We're a decade ahead. Uh, also, the report says human-caused climate change is already affecting every region across the globe, saying that humans are of the reason for the problem. Uh, also, as global temperatures get high, extreme weather will get worse. As Mustafa talked about, uh, we, we've seen these hurricanes, these floods. Uh, we've seen uh, all of these different uh, things. If temperatures increase by two degrees, a once in every 10 years extreme is likely to occur 5.6 times. Well, that means every other year. Uh, if in each incremental increase in global temperature would lead to lower levels of Arctic sea ice, snow cover, and permafrost. Under all five admission scenarios, the report lays out the Arctic is likely to see at least one September month that is practically free of sea ice before 2050. Then it says many changes to Earth are irreversible for centuries and millennia. Irreversible. Yeah, and I think that in addition to, to everything our brother Mustafa was saying as well when we talk about this, we also have to talk about when we talk globally about the political cost of climate change because people don't talk often about how climate change actually also is part of what can create refugees. I've seen this all across the world and having visited and worked in almost 30 countries. There are, are, are wars and civil conflicts that happen when, when the wells dry up and people don't have access to water, where well, you got to get it from somewhere. You're moving over into neighboring communities. They're like, you know, we're not with that. And so conflict ensues. And then when you talk about other resources that are drying up, the ability to not have agrable land, right, then people have to move to find that as well. well the populations you go to are not moving. These are the political costs of climate change that people don't understand, which have literally led to violence across the world in the past and is also happening currently. So we talk about the economic issues, we talk about the environmental consequences to our health, but wars will literally be fought over this issue of climate change as well. And so if that's not an additional incentive to start doing something about it now, it's going to be too late, and there's going to be real bloodshed that's going to continue to shed over this issue of climate change. So I just wanted to add that 
to the conversation as well. And the thing that drives as crazy, uh, Julian, is that uh, the, these folks who the, the answer, if you want to kill something in America, oh my God, it's going to cost jobs. It's going to cost too much. It's sort of like for me with COVID. People say, my freedom. You ain't got no freedoms when you're dead. <laughs> and so for the people who are yelling about, oh, this is going to affect jobs, if you got no planet, ain't going to be jobs. And so, like, for instance, here's this idiot, Josh Hawley, out of, of Missouri, complaining about the infrastructure bill because, oh, it has that green stuff in it. Listen to this. Video's frozen. I'm going to sit. Let me tell you, I can do a reset here. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable here. Uh, Structure at all. Go to it now. It's about woke politics. Why is President Biden so enthusiastically for it? Because it advances his far left agenda. The Green New Deal, elements of it across this bill, the climate change agenda, it's stuffed into this bill. Quotas for this, that, and the other in this bill. So this is a bill that is about the woke political agenda of the left. It is being paid for with this massive pork barrel spending. And I just hope Republicans will open their eyes to what's actually in the bill. You know, when you get a bill this late in the process that's 2,700 plus pages long, sometimes it's tempting not to actually look and see what's in the bill. Folks should look and see what's in this bill. I think it's going to be awfully hard to explain to Republican voters that we have gone along or some Republicans have gone along with this kind of an agenda, this sort of a social agenda, this kind of pork barrel spending. And so I think it's absolutely vital that Republicans take a principled stand and say we're not going to be part of Joe Biden's left-wing agenda. We're not going to advance his woke political agenda. We're going to stand up for the principles that we share and believe in as Americans. We're going to stand up for some basic fiscal responsibility. And for those reasons, we're going to vote no on this bill. And, and of course, there uh, he offered absolutely no specific. Everything was just woke, 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 Green New Deal, woke, 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 Green New Deal. But guess what? There are 18 Republicans who did go along uh, with this because they understand it. Um, the thing here, Mustafa, that, again, that, that, you, that people don't see... Huh? Then you just call on me and then moved on. No, 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 no. Hold, hold, just hold, hold tight one second. Because uh, the reason, the reason I'm, I need you to hold, hold tight because Mustafa is actually leaving us at 730. And so I need to get his comments before he has to leave us. So I'm coming right back. Just hold on. Mustafa, the thing here that is so troubling is that it's happening in front of us. And how then, though, how do politically do folks make the argument to get voters to realize that this is an issue. I think that's the big deal. How do you get voters to wake up and realize this, this matters and they should be voting based upon climate change? Well, some people are beginning to move because of the impacts that are happening. Farmers, for an example, they see these extreme droughts that are happening. So they are now linking that, of course, to climate change. Many other folks, because of being impacted from the wildfires and, and, and some of the other things that are going on. But for others, the president was really smart by actually talking about climate change in the prism of jobs and the millions of new jobs that are a part of the solutions that are going on. Now, Republicans should be lining up to actually make sure that there are more jobs uh, that are available, especially inside of their states, um, because many of the folks who are some of the most uh, ardent uh, detractors from what's going on are ones who, who most desperately need these new sets of jobs. 
and these economic opportunities that are tied to it. So that is also beginning to move folks. The other part, Roland, that I'll share very quickly is that young Republicans are saying that climate change is real, that we need bold action on it. And they are also, even though they don't have a huge influence yet in their party, they are pushing their party to get in alignment with what the world is asking for. So it's not the Democrats asking for this. The world is saying that we have to do this. And if we don't, the price will be astronomical. We spent $1.9 trillion over the last 30 years on the impacts of the climate crisis, and that's before it began to rev up. So you can pay now, or you are going to try and pay later. Uh, Mustafa, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Thank you so very much. Thanks a lot. Julian, uh, I'll now go to you. The, the, that's the real issue. That's the real issue right here. How do we get people to realize politically this is an issue? They should be voting along these lines. The, the Republicans love to demonize, uh, love to demonize the Green New Deal, but it's dealing with the economy. Well, precisely. Mustafa is absolutely right when he says you will pay now or you will pay later. But the issue is we will pay. And we're already paying. We see they're paying in terms of these massive floods, in terms of the fires, in terms of all of that. And what needs to happen is that some environmentally situated economists need to cost some of this stuff out. How much does it cost when you lose a whole town in California, a whole town or hundreds of acres of, of basically forced which then means that has another impact on the environment in terms of not having that force anymore. Some of these things need to be costed out and put in real dollars. That holly is just, um, somebody just put a sock in it. I mean, what the right has been very, very capable of doing is taking our language and turning it against us. So it's a woke, well, what's wrong with being woke? You want to be asleep? You know, it's a woke agenda. It's a the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal has so many really important aspects to it. Uh, just all of the rhetoric is basically designed to separate people from reality. And what we know, uh, what the UN report said in the language was really quite stunning. And they call it a code red for humanity. That's a term they used, a code red for humanity. And that's where we are. Omakanko's point about migration is really important because the other thing that happens um, is it, it, from an economic perspective, and that some countries in the short run are better able to withstand this than others are. When mm -hmm. 2010, I went to the um, COP15, uh, the Climate Tr Change Conference, and there were some brothers there, they're Polynesian brothers, who are from a little island called Tuvalu. They had seen their island literally lose half of its land mass because of increased flooding. And I, don't, I haven't kept up with what happened after that. It may not be there anymore. So then where do those people go? And what happens to them? Some of our developing countries, some, some, the African continent, especially on the coasts, if you see some of that, it's going to affect different countries differentially. Oh, the U.S. could probably stave it off for another 10, 20 years, but there are some countries who are only going to last five. So this has long-term implications in the term code red for humanity couldn't be more telling. This is an emergency that we seem to not care about. Again, Omicongo, you have to put this in a, a political way for voters to get. 
And I think that has not been uh, achieved by Democrats. They have not been able to, because again, the argument that always defeats them, it's going to cost us jobs, it's going to cost too much money, and this is a capitalistic society, everything is put in those terms. And, and I just think that people just got to say, y'all keep playing with this here, you're going to be dead. Your kids are going to be dead. And then, and then I think they're going to challenge evangelicals. They're going to go dry, white evangelicals. How can y'all talk about uh, the Bible said, take care uh, of what, be good stewards of what God gave you, and y'all don't give a damn about the planet? You got to go there. I mean, I, I, just think, I just think Democrats have to, have to communicate in a different way. Right now, it's too, it's perceived as being too flowery, too flower child-like, hippie-like. No, you got to cut right to the, the, the heart of it to get somebody uh, uh, in, in their face and say, hey, it's affecting you right now. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that our current leadership, you know, the Democrats have the ability to do that. I don't think that they have the ability to really drive it home like that. And living in a society where we've literally lost the ability to focus on the common good, maybe we never had that idea. Maybe it's just a romanticized notion. But people are so in it for themselves that, quite honestly, I feel like these Democratic leaders can probably do a better job of driving home these economic consequences and maybe making the messaging better around that. Look, we talk about climate change, we talk about COVID. I believe that there are many people who are starting to get the vaccine because they're seeing the death straight up in front of them more. But I think the majority of people are starting to get it because it's going to hurt them economically when they can't fly, when they can't go back to their jobs, government mandates, corporations are mandating it that they're working for. And now they're like, I got to have this job. And so I'm going to do that. We And I think what climate Climate change, it has to be the, the, the same way. They're, you know, convincing people in the coal mining world that going with, you know, working with solar panels and all that other type of stuff economically makes more sense. Because whenever people talk about these political consequences rolling there, we're so polarized right now that they're just not going to get it. But as Joe Madison says, hit people in their pocketbooks and their hearts would follow. Democrats got to be better at that message now, too, to get more people on board, because they can't drive the message home. They're not capable of doing it. Maybe the younger guys, the Corey Bushes of the world, the AOCs, the Omars of the world, could hit that message on a more personal level. But the current leaders at the top, they just don't seem to be able to do that. All right, then, folks. Today marks seven years since a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri, killed Michael Brown. Of course, today, dozens of people gathered at Canfield Green Apartments, the spot where Brown was gunned down. Over the weekend, several activities commemorated his life, such as a town hall featuring his father, Michael Brown Sr., and a free screening of the Ferguson Rises documentary. Representative Corey Bush says the fight for justice is far from over. It's heartbreak because we're still here. We're still fighting this because the family is still traumatized and has not received justice. And, you know, we're out here with the people that we were out here with back in 2014 that we've continued to rock with and stay with and build community with and coalitions with and, and we've done work with. Since 2014, we've been one family and... It's, a, it's important to continue to show up. We got to not only talk about it, we got, uh, you know, I can't just talk about it and then work on policy for it. 
we got to also show up and be a continue to be a part of the movement because movements move, they morph, they change. And so we got to continue to be a part of it because we got to be able to carry out this work. The Black Liberation Movement, Civil Rights Movement was 10 years strong. We seven years in, so we got we still got work to do. And after that, we can continue to do work. We at least got to get 10 years in. Um, and so um, I hear that all the time from my good friend, Jahai Kayam. But um, this, this... For all, this weekend in August, Mike, is where we got to be. You know, you got to show up. This family deserves us to, to show up. All right, folks, let's go to New York, where jury selection began in the second criminal trial for R. Kelly. It comes two, more than two years after the R&B singer was charged with abusing women and underage girls for almost two decades. The Grammy Award-winning uh, singer faces charges including child sexual exploitation, racketeering, bribery. He has pleaded not guilty. Following jury selection, the trial is due to begin on August 18th and could last several weeks. He's facing decades in prison for this case. The 54-year-old has cases against him in Illinois and Minnesota as well. So uh, this will not be the only shot prosecutors have at putting R. Kelly in jail. Folks, it's been 35 years since Sylvia Mathis and Linda Berry became the FBI's first black female agents. A black woman from Tampa, Florida, hopes to go even further with the bureau. Uh, she goes by Ty, and she's a special agent in the FBI's Puerto Rico office. According to the agency, she's the first black woman to train for the FBI SWAT team since the division began in 1973. Ty began new operator training school in late July. If she completes the 10-week course, she will join the FBI's Puerto Rico SWAT team as a probationary member. For Ty to become officially certified, she'll need to undergo more training during the probationary period. Ty says regardless of the results, she hopes her journey will inspire others. And so... Uh, good luck uh, to that sister. All right, folks, got to go to break. We come back. We'll talk about the continued controversy with the baby over his uh, comments. He's been blasted for, uh, as homophobic. Uh, and folks say his information regarding HIV and AIDS is also wrong as well. But Jasmine Koenig, a sister out of uh, L.A., who's lesbian, she says, hmm, what's up with this double standard dealing with comments by the baby? I'm going to unpack all of that next right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. George Floyd's death hopefully put another nail in the coffin of racism. You talk about awakening America, it led to a historic summer of, of protest. I hope our younger generation don't ever forget that Nonviolence is soul force, right? What's up, y'all? I'm Will Pack. Hello, I'm Bishop T.D. Jake. What up, Manuel? And you are watching Rolling Martin Unfiltered. Uh, the baby's been in the news uh, for the last couple of weeks over, over comments that he made uh, at uh, a concert. Now, uh, at the particular uh, concert last month, he made uh, what has been called anti-gay remarks on stage at the Rolling Loud Musical Festival. Now, we're going to play these comments for you, just giving you a warning right now. Uh, they are crude, uh, and so if you want to turn this audio down, you want to turn away, that's no problem. We're going to give you time to do so. Uh, it has set off a torrent of criticism. He's been dropped for, from a number of festivals and led to an apology from him, but then he repealed the apology. I'll, I'll explain all of that. Uh, this is what he said in concert. 
you didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, any of them deadly sexual transmitted diseases that'll make you die in two, three weeks, put a cell phone lighting it up. Lady, if your pussy smell like water, put a cell phone lighting it up. Fellas, lights up. Fellas, if you ain't sucking nigga dick in the parking lot, put your cell phone lights up. Let's be up. real about this shit. Yeah, keep it fucking real. Some of y'all niggas suspect as a motherfucker. Let's be real. Now, the baby, after that, he doubled down and said that his gay followers understood what he was saying, that it was not a big deal. Mm, that did not sit well with a number of festival organizers. Uh, he was accused of spreading misinformation, many considered it harmful with regards to HIV and AIDS. Now, this has prompted a variety of conversations uh, with folks uh, about this issue, including rappers and the issue of homophobia, but also... Uh, HIV and AIDS. So it's been going back and forth, back and forth, what's going on. So then uh, the baby dropped a video, dropped a video on his Instagram page where he was talking about this whole issue of where he apologized, apologized for his comments. Well, over the weekend, he actually pulled that video. It was deleted. So it raises a lot of questions uh, that uh, to deal with. And so it's been a lot of back and forth now. Uh, let me uh, join right now uh, by, um, first of all, uh, first of all, the number of people who've been trying to uh, educate the uh, baby. Uh, there were people who actually signed a letter saying that they would meet with him uh, as well. Now, J now Jasmine Koenig, um, uh, of course, we've had Jasmine on the show for uh, many times. Uh, what was interesting is that Jasmine dropped uh, a piece that, that I found to be uh, uh, quite interesting, and this is what, what how she titled it. She titled it, uh, The Baby Out, uh, Outrage Illustrates Double Standards. So when you click her piece, uh, what she lays out in this article, uh, how people, I'm pulling it up right now, uh, to show you exactly what she wrote, um, and she said, a double standard is a rule of, uh, so she goes on uh, and talks about his lyrics. So she says in here, uh, look how me and my little bitch be dressing. Ain't fucking her right, but you ain't pulling her hair. Yeah, bitch ass nigga. Oh, you asking for pictures with niggas. That's from one of his lyrics. Uh, actually from one of his songs that have earned multiple nominations. Now, this is what Jasmine writes. Most people who knew of Charlotte Rapper Baby were okay with him profiting off calling black men and women niggas and bitches. But once he talked about sucking dicks in the parking lot and dying from AIDS in two to three weeks then, he had to be canceled. He said that she writes, because of the continued stigmatization, stigmatization of HIV and AIDS among blacks, HIV and AIDS are still being used as a weapon. Now, so she goes on to write, write in here how folks are talking about, uh, and this is what she writes, somehow as a black lesbian woman, I'm supposed to be more outraged over the baby's homophobic and anti-AIDS comments then I am about being called a bitch or a nigger. How does that work? The only conclusion that I could draw was that nobody cares when a black rapper is calling other black people niggers and bitches. It pays, and it pays well for so many people. But when that same black rapper says something offensive about gays, which by definition happens to include white gay people, that's when he must be canceled. For the record, white people in general, and specifically white gay people, aren't known for shutting down and canceling rappers who call black men and women niggas or bitches. They have pretty much always been okay with that 
by way of their silence. A double standard is a rule or principle which is unfairly applied in different ways to different people or groups. She says, Jasmine writes, I am black, I am a woman, and I am a lesbian, so this is no way a defense of the baby. He was making ignorant statements long before his latest inflammatory comments. But I really do want to know how we're choosing who to cancel and for what reason. This selective outrage is confusing and hypocritical. Why can the baby's concerts be canceled for his homophobic remarks and not for his misogynistic lyrics and use of the N-word? Is it because then 95% of today's rappers would also be canceled? Because, let's admit it, almost all of the successful rappers today got there using the words bitch, hoe, and nigga. Is it because the music industry and its connoisseurs have no problem with profiting off of the degradation of women, black women in particular, and the use of the N-word. That would never happen with anti-Semitic lyrics. In fact, it doesn't happen with any other type of hate speech. Because black people are okay with calling each other bitches, hoes, and niggas as long as we are, everyone else, including us, is allowed to make a profit off of it. Unlike with other groups of people, be it the LGBTQ community, Jews, Asian Pacific Islanders, or any other race, we are the only people who are okay with self-degradation under the guise of replacing the letters ER with an A. And as far as bitches and hoes go, we call ourselves that too. In this politically correct Me Too woke world that we live in, that just doesn't seem like something that would be tolerated, let alone accepted. It's easy to hop aboard the hashtag cancel the baby train all aboard. I need the same energy that's being used to punish the baby for his homophobic and anti-AIDS comments to be directed towards rappers like him who continue to call women bitches and hoes and use the N-word. Omakongo and Giuliani. Let's talk about this. So when we, so when you have, so really what Jasmine is doing, Jasmine is challenging not just black people. She's also challenging gay folks to say, y'all quiet about that, but you're commenting on this. Why not both? And as she said, she's not defending the baby. She's saying, you want to cancel him, cancel him for both, not just one. You know, it, um, her, her piece is very thoughtful. It's a really good piece. And I think it's really important to challenge us, but also the industry. There it is, the industry. Remember when Michael Jackson had some little lyric that was somewhat anti-Semitic? Well, yeah, don't yeah, care about us. yeah. He he said uh, uh, he, it was. Uh, I think he said uh, Jew me, screw me, something along those lines. Uh, Jew me, Jew me, don't you black and blue me, kick me, me, don't you black <laughs> or white me. Yeah, and and he and so it all that record had already been uh, uh, printed. Uh, they ordered the they ordered the destruction of yes. all of those records, and for the apologize. Yes. So you know. Basically, you could do that with another group of people. You can't. You could do it with black people. You couldn't do it with any other group of people. Even if you did some things. I mean, years, years ago, when I did daily radio, one time I said, "Chris Columbus was a drunken Italian who got lost." You would have been stunned at the number of letters the station got saying she can't say that. But it's true. The man did get lost. Um, so somehow we're at the bottom of the we black people and women are at the bottom of the food chain when it comes to outrage. You know, you can say anything about us, and some of us will laugh, 
Some of us will say right on, and many of us will go right through their heads, but it's not just about us. It's about an industry that profits from the degradation of black people, about an industry that profits from um, the baby has been a fool. From, from what I can tell, I really am too old to follow that kind of mess. But, um, but it, it seems like he's been a fool from the word go. Only when he starts talking about homosexual sex does he suddenly become cancelable. If you were going to cancel him, you should have canceled him some time ago. So I, 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 kudos to Jasmine for putting it out there like that, putting herself out there like that. I'm sure she's going to get both positive and negative feedback, but I think her piece was very good. Omakongo? Uh, even beyond the industry, there's this mentality of do whatever you want in the black community to yourselves, but you're going to stop when you come towards us. You can go back to the riots after Rodney King, right? As soon as it started moving out to the suburbs, oh, here's the National Guard. The list goes on and on, right? Look, when we come back to the industry, I did my doctorate on Jay-Z. I teach several hip-hop-related courses at American University. And the fact of the matter is, when she talked about... Uh, white gay men being silent, I would argue that many of these guys are not silent. They're at the concert singing along with with many of these lyrics. You know what I'm saying? I, I've seen them. We've all seen them if you've been to a hip-hop concert. So she's absolutely right. There's this level of acceptance of y'all gonna do what you're gonna do. And we, you know, I, I'm a rapper myself, of course, and so, you know, we, we as artists do need to be more responsible, but we can be more responsible as we're calling out this hypocrisy as well, because we need to be past this, this, this day and age where we're putting out any of the derogatory lyrics towards any group, but especially our own community and culture. Because because we just don't, we never needed to do it in the first place. And we're successful enough now in the industry in terms of people running their own labels and the like to not have to do that and still get our message across. And so I applaud what Jasmine is doing. And we really need to take control of this music. Look, I'm raising daughters now. I'm raising sons. And look, at American University, yo, when these kids are coming into class, singing this stuff and have no historical context, we just got to start, and some of our, my black students as well, the few that I have in there, they don't, they don't even have historical context. And, not, and I also teach a class called Global Hip Hop and Resistance. And so when you talk about an international word in terms of how these, this language has been populated across the world, like KRS once said, that mic you speak through goes from here to Mogadishu, and how you represent us is the issue. Yes, we do need to call ourselves out in the same way, but also call out the hypocrisy that Jasmine is mentioning. So kudos to Jasmine as well. I want to bring in a uh, guest, uh, Rania Copeland. She is president and CEO of Black AIDS uh, Institute. Carolyn White Singer, Board President, San Francisco Pride, and Reverend Rob uh, Newells Newton, Director of the National Program for the Black AIDS Institute. Glad to have all three of you here. So this, this conversation, first of all, there's several different things going on here. So the baby drops his video, re apologizes over the weekend, now apparently he deleted the video. There are a number of different groups uh, that actually wrote him an open letter asking to sit, sit down uh, and, uh, and educate him. Uh, and then now you have what Jasmine is saying here. Just want to get the three of you your thoughts on uh, on this issue. Is it, 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 and um, so you have uh, the homophobic uh, comments. You have the issue dealing with comments about HIV and AIDS. And then of course you have uh, what the language that he uses that Jasmine says is targeting black people. What do you make of the whole discussion? Anyone? Anyone can start. Uh, hold on one second. We're not hearing you. Nope, not hearing you yet. 
All right, so let's do this here. Okay, we'll do this here. We're going to go to a quick break. Y'all figure, we're going to figure the audio stuff out. I'm going to come right back to Roller Martin Unfiltered. Black women have always been essential. Mm -hmm. So now mm -hmm. how are you going to pay us like that? And it's not just the, the salary. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a whole number of issues that have to support us as women. Yeah. But that's what we deserve. Mm -hmm. That we shouldn't have to beg anybody for that. And I think that we are trying to do our best as a generation to honor the fact that we didn't come here alone and we didn't come here by accident. I always say every generation has to define for itself yeah. what it means to move the needle forward. Mm -hmm. White supremacy ain't just about hurting black folk. Right. You got to deal with it. It's injustice. It's wrong. I do feel like in this generation, we've got to do more around being intentional and resolving conflict. You and I have always agreed. Yeah. But we agree on the big piece. Yeah. Our conflict is not about destruction. Conflict's going to happen. Yo, what's up? This your boy Ice Cube. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. You got it? All right, so I think we've got the audio uh, issues uh, settled. So, again, let's uh, bring in uh, our panel here, uh, Renia Copeland, as well as Carolyn Wassinger and Reverend Rob Newells-Newton. All right, uh, let's see if it works now. Let's see, can you hear me now? There we go, we got you. All right. <laughs> well, what I was saying before my audio um, decided it wasn't time was that Jasmine is absolutely correct. And what we talk about at Black AIDS Institute is how white supremacy and anti-blackness really is the stem of oppression that is impeding our ability to respond to HIV and AIDS. Um, you know, we specifically call out the misogynoir um, that we saw from the baby. I think that if you uh, would have played the recording a couple seconds earlier, you hear him talking um, um, about black women and calling us names, and that that is uh, something that you know, they, they come together. Uh, but I completely understand and agree that there is this double standard um, where we think that it's more acceptable, but we know it's not. And at least when it comes to HIV, we talk about, and we have so much data that shows that this misogynoir that's specific towards black women is part of the reason we see increased HIV cases amongst black women. We see higher rates of intimate partner violence among black women living with HIV. We see higher rates um, of, 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 of homelessness among black women living with HIV as well. And so this is all because of and roots from the same anti-blackness that um, uh, uh, we see from the baby in much of his music and um, certainly most recently from his latest comments. Rob? Look, I I'm a same gender-loving black man who's been living with HIV for the last 16 plus years. Uh, so A, you don't die in two to three weeks. Um, and I, I, was, I say I was surprised that uh, his comments caused such uh, an uproar because I didn't expect it because it hasn't before. Uh, gay folks, women, it, it, we're all in the same gang when it comes to being disrespected by the hip hop industry. Um, but I, I'd also say that we didn't call to cancel anybody. 
Uh, we call it to engage and educate, and and probably more important than educating the baby is educating the folks that listen to him, so that when he says stupid stuff, they don't believe it. Carolyn. Yeah, I want to echo um, what Reverend Rob said and, and really push back on this notion that the baby is just misinformed. The baby is not misinformed. The baby is playing out the, the misogynoir, the, the anti-blackness, the, the homophobia that he has been taught for, for generations and for decades. We have seen this within our black LGBTQ, or sorry, our black community at large. And, you know, what Reverend Rob said is correct, and I don't know which one of it was in, in my, of my Facebook friends. You know, I've been having this conversation in these internet streets a lot. But one of them did also remark that 10 years ago, if a rapper had said these same things, he would not be getting the, the, the cancellation. But I think that it, it, there's a, a, a much deeper conversation to be had about where we are here in 2021, where we do have a the baby making these com comments here. But a couple of weeks ago, we had someone like the little Nas X who literally had a video with with naked black men in it. That's something that that went viral, but that was widely accepted. So we have to have these critical conversations about where we are and where we have seemingly progressed to. But are we having the the, the conversation about the harm that has been um, felt by black LGBTQ folks, and really also the fact that when you talk about, I'm not going to say white gay. I'm going to say non-black gays because non-black and white gays all participate in this notion of black um, rappers as this stereotype. They don't see the offense of talking about black women in that way. And part of that is I'll, I'll put that a, a lot on my generation. I'm on the, from the generation. I'm 42 years old, so I grew up listening to the sugar freeze of the world. And a lot of folks, you know, uh, talking this way about black women and black gays. Uh, but it... it for people who are not us and not in our community, it's a little bit different. And there's a, an amazing writer named Ashley Marie Preston, who is a black trans woman um, writer and media personality, who said, let black LGBTQ folks deal with the baby, unless you are directly affected by the thing that he said. And really, black LGBTQ folks, the ones who are normally um, erased from these conversations, are the ones who are, are directly affected and should be dealing with him directly as such. So, okay, so, so, so with that, there were a number of groups that actually um, wrote this open letter uh, to the uh, baby. Uh, and, and so, and I've had a conversation with uh, several African Americans uh, who are involved in LGBTQ organizations. Uh, and so, all right, who reaches out? Who goes to him? I mean, I get the open letter part. But who's made the effort to say, hey, we want to sit down with you. Have any of you, have you, have you heard from his camp? Uh, are they willing to have a conversation? We're working on it. Um, we've been engaged with them. We were one of the folks who were in that open letter. I also want to be um, really clear that the majority of folks on that open letter were Black-led agencies, which we thought was really important, um, particularly organizations in the South where we see the majority of new HIV cases. Uh, and I think that this is... You know, there's been some engagement, but let me tell you, we haven't sat in a room with him yet. Uh, we haven't gotten a phone call. We haven't been we even put in a text a text message chain uh, with him. So there's some work to be done. And I think that there is um, a lot of protection from uh, his uh, uh, representation, um, from Universal Music Group that he's underneath, um, because I think they haven't done the work <laughs> um, that they um, allow this kind of misogynoir, this anti-blackness, and they profit off of it. And so sitting him in a room 
with, you know, some of the nation's leading advocates to respond to HIV. I wish there was some more responsiveness. Um, I wish we had a date on the books. Um, at least there's some conversation back and forth. But uh, I think that there is a huge systemic issue uh, that these uh, companies have around profiting off of anti-blackness. And what does that mean, especially after last summer, where uh, we believe that more people said Black Lives Matter than we ever heard before? And so uh, we haven't seen it realized yet. We're hopeful that it will happen, um, but it's been slower progress than I would have hoped for. So I'm, so I'm, I'm confused here. So you just said that his record label is Universal? Uh-huh. Who owns Universal? I'm not sure. You tell me who owns Universal. Is it Universal owned by Comcast? Is it Universal? Is it Universal? So you. So I'm. I'm curious. So if you haven't got on the phone with his team, what is the label saying? Uh, we're waiting on him. We're waiting on him. We're. We're. You know. We're getting back and forth. Um, but yeah, we sent that letter last week, and we haven't heard anything. Uh, uh, definitive yet. We've been in conversation. We're trying to book something, um, but there's nothing that's been on the table yet. That, that, I would have for that, a speedier response. Yeah, I'm sorry. Especially around something that is so impactful in black communities. Yeah, Universal, actually, Universal, it, the, all these people have gone through these sales. So, um, Universal Music Group is owned by the French media conglomerate Vivendi uh, with a Chinese tech company uh, Tencent uh, owning a uh, minority stake. Their headquarters in the uh, Netherlands. Uh, as well as in Santa Monica, California. But the interesting thing is that, uh, is that uh, their subsidiaries uh, include Interscope, Republican Records, let me just go ahead and read them, Cash Money Records, Universal Music Group, Mercury Records, Virgin Records. Uh, these are all of the folks who will go under uh, the uh, label and brand. Oh, let's see here. Actually, gets we go Capital Music Group. We got Decca. Oh, Motown is underneath this as well. Uh, and so, Universal Music Group Nashville, Universal Music Latin uh, Entertainment, uh, EMI, uh, Capital Music Group. So um, that see, and this is the point that I think that what what Jasmine is also making in her piece when we talk about language. I remember when I was on Paula Zahn's show years ago at CNN, before I actually officially joined them, and they had this whole hour dedicated uh, to rap lyrics. And they, would, they, they wanted Russell Simmons on the show, 50 Cent. And finally I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. How in the hell are we having a conversation about the artists, but we ain't said a damn thing about the CEOs of these record labels? So from, for, so from any of you, so what is the path forward? Uh, sure, talking to him and his team is one thing. Who gonna call out his label? And who's going yeah. to say to the label, uh, y'all got to stand up, and I guarantee you, you've got LGBTQ folks uh, involved in this label who got them supporting many of their efforts. And see, and this is, I think, what Jasmine is talking to. You got folks who are profiting off of black artists, but now you want to say something, but you wasn't saying nothing before. So... So, 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 Reverend Carolyn, uh, how do we have this conversation, not just in black America, but in broad America, what do y'all care about? Well, I think that there's, again, a lot of different ways to go with that particular question, because especially you mentioned um, how many people who were in the streets last year saying Black Lives Matter, and you, I, you have to recall that the, the murder of George Floyd happened, I believe, a week before 
June Pride Month kicked off. And so I remember as a, the head of a pride organization, I remember getting emails for, for days from presumably, I'm going to assume, white gay men who thought that we were going to cancel pride because now we now in 2021 because george floyd has been killed now they need to focus on black people so you have this 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 issue where you have again i'll say non-black not just white but non-black people of color and white people who don't really focus so much on the issues affecting black folks including black lgbtq folks including our black trans community including our black folks who are affected by the hiv crisis until someone literally tells them to do it. Um, and so you, I mean, we can definitely focus on hitting them in the pockets. When you look at that list that you just gave, I mean, we think about Interscope, we think about Dev Jam. So many of them have, have profited not just on language that have um, demeaned black women, but have been profiting on artists who have demeaned black LGBTQ focus for decades. So it's how do we get together as a black LGBTQ together with our black straight community? That's, that is very important. Because one of the things that I saw a lot in, in again, the internet comment section is you start to see that, that deep chasm between black LGBTQ folks and black straight folks who did not find any type of issue. How can we hit those those companies in the pockets and force them to look at this issue if at the core of it, we're still so divided on it? Reverend? Look, I'm, I'm of the sense that we can separate uh, morality and supply and demand. I grew up listening to two short basement tapes in my eighth grade language lab. And listen, and, but I can't listen to half the stuff I used to listen to 30, 40 years ago because I've matured. Um, and so I think uh, educating folks, helping them come to a new place, but it, supply and demand is going to say, is going to let those record companies do whatever they do. My hope is that the record companies will put us out on tour with these problematic artists so that we can share accurate information about HIV. So, yeah. so, uh, what, so what's the next step? What is it? I'm hoping that there is some resourcing uh, work to do anti-blackness work. Right. So we have Universal Music Group that is making all kinds of money off of not just the babies, misogynoir and anti-blackness, but a whole lot of black peoples and black entertainers, anti-blackness. And I think it is unrealistic to expect that we are going to dismantle this internalized white supremacy that we have as black communities and black people from hundreds and hundreds of years of oppression and white supremacy that our country is steeped in. And so how can you resource these conversations that need to be had, not with white LGBTQ communities, um, but really within our black community as a whole? Um, and I think that we need to start holding these uh, entities accountable that, you know, when we see misogynoir, um, we know that there are implications for our black community overall, whether it's HIV and AIDS, whether it's um, heart disease or diabetes. These things show up, this anti-blackness, um, it, it ends in sickness for our communities and that there's work that we have to do. And I think that we need to hold these um, uh, companies accountable and demand that these resources that they have, this money that they're getting, some portion of that has to be invested back in community so that we're able to take care of us and dismantle some of this head stuff that we have going on that is about thinking that our world is so binary and white. Carola, what's next? I, I I agree as well, and I think that for those of us who create spaces, you know, I, I, I'm going to be very careful and not have anyone say I'm de inviting the baby to San Francisco Pride because that will go around the internet like wildfire. <laughs> but you know, we are <laughs> we are all about building spaces and having community, and you know, we have just as we, um, we have. Uh, 
represented the Black AIDS Institute. Here we have the East Bay Institute here in Oakland. I would love to have these conversations because it's really going to be about having genuine conversations. I think that's the thing that I personally fear is that once we do get, you know, the baby in a room, you know, the same way that he put up a, a an apology, which was more than likely not going to read and it was not written by him, the same way that he put up an apology and took it down, we'll be able to get into a genuine, authentic conversation with him and other, you know, rappers just like him. You know, the Rev mentioned Too Short. I grew up in Oakland listening to Too Short. How are we going to have an, a whole conversation about rising of Above and kind of changing the way that we and our children now are listening to these lyrics and, and educating each other so we can move forward as a unified community. Rob? I think that's the important part is we need to educate each other, right? Uh, our motto is our people, our problem, our solution. And so I don't depend on the baby to become an HIV expert and go out and teach all of his audiences, but I want an invitation to do some of that stuff. Um, and I want, our, I want his audiences to start paying attention uh, to HIV because the epidemic is not over. A lot of folks think that AIDS ended 30 years ago and it's not over. Uh, the, it, the look of it has changed and it looks like us. All right. Well, certainly appreciate the three of you. Keep us uh, updated uh, on what happens uh, if you have that conversation. Uh, and uh, we certainly will be following this story to see what happens next. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. All right. Folks, uh, y'all saw this video over the weekend. Uh, D.C. cops uh, were uh, arresting this brother, and one began to wail away uh, at him, uh, punching at him uh, several times. Um, as you as you see right here, uh, that that's, uh, the multiple punches were thrown at him. Uh, this video got lots of traction uh, on social media, shared by Snoop Dogg uh, and many others. You can see right there uh, when this video, uh, just eight hours ago, uh, this video had gotten 6.6 .6 million views on Snoop Dogg's uh, Instagram page, uh, where, well, as a result of all of this uh, attention from this video, uh, D.C. police uh, have announced uh, that uh, all charges have been dropped against uh, this uh, man, the police chief of D.C. Uh, first of all, the U.S. Attorney's Office said today that Kamon Johnson was released with no charges filed against him after the video was gone out. Uh, this is what the uh, police chief said. I'm embarrassed, disturbed, disheartened, and ashamed of what I've seen. Uh, this is D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti. Uh, and then it goes on uh, to talk about um, uh, uh, this uh, whole piece here. Uh, and then again, uh, Robert White Jr. posted, I won't repose the disturbing video of a D.C. Police Department officer punching a man in the face repeatedly. It has made many of us angry and nervous. This has been referred to the U.S. Attorney to consider prosecution. This shouldn't happen. When it does, there must be accountability. Took place uh, on Macongo at 16th Street and V Street in Southeast. Uh, and uh, again, witnesses reporting a hand-to-hand -hand drug transaction. Um, the, chief, the chief said at that point, uh, they, according to this uh, report here, they stopped an individual, did a pat down, and felt a gun. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, you have the chief saying, while getting illegal firearms is a priority for safer communities, this is not the way we would train our members to get illegal firearms off the street. So, McCongo, since charges dropped against him, uh, I will hope the U.S. attorney announces charges against that cop. Well, and as soon as I saw the video and just the look behind him, I was like, that is Southeast, which is where I live. I just, I just knew it. And, you know, we are the poorest area of D.C., most under-resourced, but we have the heaviest police presence. And so what I would like, like you said, 
I would like to have heard something of what's happening to the officer right now, because this is a guy who should be going through the whole process, but right now on leave, at the very least, without pay. Should be fired. And again, we can't keep talking about... Look, we know that charges would not have been dropped if there was no video. And so these officers, we talk about how they could go beyond, above and beyond the call of duty. Look, when they do actions like this, the people in leadership need to go above and beyond the call of duty and making sure that they're getting the heaviest penalties possible up front that they can do before all of the trials and prosecutions happen, because this guy has no business being in uniform. And, of course, the D.C. Police Union, Julian, released a statement on Facebook saying they're confident when the facts come to light, the actions taken by the officers will be understood and deemed justifiable. Well, if you didn't file any charges against him, clearly it wasn't justifiable. You know, um... The, what bothers me about the video more than anything else is the fact that um, these other officers didn't intervene. Somebody could have put back up, man, stop it. Um, I don't know what facts could emerge that would justify a police officer basically punching a man who actually is being held back. Um, his adrenaline was out of control, but he was out of control. And, you know, shame on uh, the police chief and shame on the mayor. I mean, she needs to have said something about this. This man needs to have been put on suspension. Um, it, it, it's just disgusting that folks can get away with this kind of thing. And the union, of course, thinks that black people are cannon fodder for white people's anger. So I'm sure this cop is going to have some long story about how he got angry. Well, then, you know, get anger management. But don't take it out on a black man who is unarmed. You don't beat people up because they have drugs, if the man had drugs. You don't know. So I, I was outraged by uh, the thing you showed for Robert White earlier. He's a member of the uh, D.C. Council. I would have liked to see more um, comments from the D.C. Council, and I really would have liked to see this police officer at the very minimum, at the very minimum, taken off duty. But he needed to be fired. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks. Time for our Fit Live Win segment. One of the training tools you may have heard about uh, are these uh, weight waist shrinking uh, devices. I mean, a lot of a lot of folks have been selling these. A lot of women uh, have been promoting them, saying that uh, they are great for um, for working out. Mm, but I've talked to some other sisters who said, uh, "No, you could really screw up your internal organs by doing so." Joining us right now. Fitness expert Jim Jones. So, Jim, let's talk about these waist trainers. Do they make sense? They, they don't, Roland, man. I'm going to give you three concrete reasons why we got to get, we have to throw these waist trainers away. First off, when you burn fat, it's an internal process. When your body burns fat, it burns the hard fat first. So, hard fat is what's around your organs, like your liver. Then it burns the soft fat, and that's the fat that's in your thighs and your stomach area. So, that's number one. Second of all, there's no spot treatment, Roland. People wearing these waist trainers around their stomach, if you know how fat burns, it burns off all over your body. So unless you're going to just wrap yourself up like a mummy and waist trainers from head to toe, you're, you're not doing nothing. You know, that's that's the thing. So, I mean, they, they understand there's no, there's no spot treatment for these waist trainers, not at all. And the last thing is your body is recovers best after the workout and when you're resting. So unless you're going to live your life in a waist trainer all day, every day, it's, it's not going to do nothing, Rowan. And at the end of the day, people, they're, all they do, they just house sweat and bacteria because 
Y'all not washing your waist trainers. I'm in the gym, man, and I'm telling you, people are not washing these waist trainers. So, Roland, these things, just, they just don't work. Okay, so um, we've seen these waist items that boxers wear, uh, mm -hmm. that you'll see them. Mm -hmm. we, we discussed this beforehand, because boxers are trying to make weight. And so they are trying to lose as much, uh, as much water, as much, that's what they're doing. But these other folks, that's, what, that's, not, that's, that's not what they are. Not at all, not at all, Ron. <laughs> like I said, like we talked about before, you're not gonna fight in Vegas. You're not getting ready for a UFC fight. And boxers aren't wearing waist. They're wearing whole body suits, right? And they're just trying to drop the water weight. So they're just trying to just sweat as much as they can. But like I said before, when you go drink the fluids, you're gonna put that water rate right, right back inside of yourself. Boxers, they drain the water off and then they don't touch, they don't touch any water until after, until the fight starts. But the common person, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna dry your body out. You're not gonna drain that water and walk around like you're training to fight in Caesar's Palace in Vegas. Okay, so so what about these right here? Go to my computer, y'all. Uh, these waist trainer corsets. Uh, I was uh, I was uh, I was online and uh, mm -hmm. this one sister um, who very much into fitness. She said uh, she was blasting these things because she tried one. Uh, right. and, I, and I know, and I sent her a text, and she said, "Yo," she said, "This thing really screwed me up." She said it shifted her internal organs. Yep. It caused her to have diarrhea. She yep. said she could not control her bowel functions mm -hmm. because of the impact that this waist trainer corset had on her internal organs. Absolutely, absolutely, Rowan. People don't understand there there can be residual effects. You know that you like that that the young sister had to deal with from wearing that corset because what it's doing is just squeezing your organs and squeezing your intestines. So like, right, exactly. It's you're, it's going to be hard to control your bowels. It can really do some serious damage that you can't reverse back. Just for trying to take a shortcut, Rowan. Because at the end of the day, people are buying into the shortcut. You're not buying into what the waist trainer does. You're buying into the fact that you think you can lose your stomach a lot faster if you put this thing on. And or, it, or, it, or, or create the hourglass waist, the small waist. Right, right, right. The cold, the cold bottle figure. But let's just think about it. How can you mold your body by not doing How can you push your body into shape, Rowan? If that was the case, everyone would be out here with a snatched waist, tight stomach, you know, everyone have the ideal body. If you can, you're not a piece of clay and people don't get that. You are not a piece of Play-Doh. You got to get in there. You have to do the work if you want to lose this weight. And just to understand, I just pulled it up. I just typed in corset train, a waist trainer. This is all of the items mm -hmm. you see on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and, and what you're saying is don't buy any of these. None of those, Roland. None of those, Roland. That makes and, no. And, and here's the deal, Jim. I'm not. I'm not. Go back. Go back. I'm not to the bottom of the page. <laughs> right. Right. It's endless, Roland. It's endless out here. These body shapers. I mean, you could just see it goes on and on and on. Like, look. As a matter of fact, there's seven pages. Uh, if I go to the next page, there are more. And they're all the same thing. I mean, they got them in all shapes, colors. I mean, I, I just don't get. Like I said, at the end of the day. You cannot squeeze your body to make it look the way you want. You just really can't. At the end of the day, you're just, you're just wasting money. You're just wasting. You're, you're better off donating that money to a charity or, or sending it to Roland Martin Unfiltered, right? Send, it, send the money to a good cause. But buying a waste trainer, you, you, you're just wasting time and money. All right. Jim Jones, I appreciate it. How can people follow you? Hey, well, listen, bro, I got two things to say. They can follow me at G-Y-M-J-O-N-E-Z on Instagram. I'm telling you. 
Tomorrow, I'm making a personal donation to the show, brother. I watch it every day. Keep doing what you're doing. I am personally out of my pocket making a, a, a very good donation to the show, Roman. Keep doing what you're doing. We need you out here. Jim, I appreciate it, my brother. Thank you so very much. No question. All right, folks. Uh, Omakongo uh, and uh, Julian, we're so appreciated. Thank you so very much uh, for joining us. Mustafa, thank you for joining us as well. Uh, folks, if y'all want to support what we do here at Rolling Mark Unfiltered, please uh, join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show yep, for us to uh, do what we do. Uh, and we thank all of you who have joined thus far. You can join us via Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered, PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at RolandSMartin.com, rolling at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans to contribute a minimum of $50 each year. Uh, that's $4.19 a month, $0.13 cents a day. Trust me, uh, it is well worth it. Folks, that is it. I shall see you tomorrow right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.